I've done I've done hundreds of deals. That's what I was. I was a securities lawyer, and mostly concentrated yes. in, in small uh, transactions. And the most obscure startups. If I really told the story of Archipelago, which the initial seed money was only four hundred thousand dollars in nineteen ninety six, it has a twelve billion dollar value today. Yes. The, kind of what they what deal makers like to call the hair on the deal. It was kind of messy, but. The truth is, had someone been able to actually meet the principals and talk to them, and, and were they to able to fully explain the idea in a, in a two-minute elevator speech, yes. there's no way that the entire world would have gone, "Oh my gosh, this is the next big thing." Sometimes it won't be that way, but I'm not one to judge. See, the nice thing about being a stock exchange is I'm removed from being emotional. Yes. Yeah, I could just say, "Great, talk to each other." If you decide to invest. Great. If you don't decide to invest, that's okay with the stock exchange too. Yes. Right? Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money Got Money podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Joe Sakara, the founder and CEO of Dream Exchange. The Dream Exchange will become one day a new stock exchange that will focus solely on small business capital formation and diversity. Using the power of American investing public. So let's get into it and welcome Joe to the Want Money Got Money podcast. Hello, Joe. It's great to have you on the show. I'd love to find out a bit more about your platform and how you got started. Great. Thank you so much for having me, and I love our story. So it's it's always great to tell a story. And actually, we you have two audiences. You have an investor audience and a and a startup audience, which are both of our audiences. <laughs> yes. So we're marrying investors and, and entrepreneurs. So that's that, hopefully we have a lot of relevant information today. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So how did you get started with building DreamX? Oh, wow. So yeah, that, that's a very long story. I'll try to keep it really brief. So, you know, my background, I'm a, a securities lawyer, CPA. I've been one or both of those professions for 30 years. And I was the lawyer who represented the founders of a company called Archipelago. And I, it depends on the audience. So some people, especially when I traveled to New York and I mentioned Archipelago and I was there when it only had four people, people are uh, you know, really interested in the story. And then as I go further into the Midwest, they're less interested, but it is a fascinating tech startup, really. Uh, Archipelago was the first electronic communications network to enable uh, the consumer to buy and sell securities over the internet. And that was in the late 1990s. And Archipelago, it's ArcaX, grew until 2005. And my former client, Jerry Putnam, became uh, chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. And there was a merger of those companies, but really the age of electronic trading was born because of Archipelago. So I was there at the infancy of this industry and uh, the stock exchange industry, because Archipelago is now a, a full, full on stock exchange. It's known as NYSE ARCA. So, that background that I have in capital markets and really understanding how money flows through the public markets really gave birth to this idea. And it's, it's, I've been working on this for more than 14 years, but really in earnest, only the last two and a half. And really, it emerges from a problem which was a byproduct of Archipelago. The byproduct of high-frequency computerized and mechanical trading is that the very small IPO is generally ignored today. It is indeed. 
Yeah. You don't see very many $50 million IPOs at all anymore. In fact, yeah. there's a research paper that we published. It's in Oxford University's handbook on IPOs. Called, it's called Low Visibility Markets Acting as Stepping Stones to National Exchanges. So those small companies used to be in the uh, 1990s and for decades before that, they represented between 75 and 90% of all IPOs. Whereas today, you're lucky to get two in a year. And there were 400 a year. So yes. we, de- we designed what we're doing to address that problem. We were there for the entrepreneur. We're there for the exit of the VC in yes. a public market, designing a customized stock exchange with customized rules to really help the liquidity in the small capital market. That's how we came into, fell into this obscure creation of a stock exchange uh, these yeah. last few years. Yeah, that's excellent. Yesterday, I interviewed CEO of Snowball. So Snowball is a New Zealand-based company, which is doing something similar, where if you want to raise $2 million from crowd funding or crowd equity funding, um, something like that. So they do the the paperwork, the everything, and then they allow anyone, even who wants to put $10,000 or $500 or whatever. So they have, have a minimum and you don't have to be accredited investor and you can own a part of a... So they are even one stage smaller than the companies listing with you guys. So We're their exit. We're, we're the exit for the crowdfunding deals. What do they do after they've crowdfunded? What if uh, they want to buy and sell those shares? Well, there isn't a, currently there isn't a public equity market to accommodate them. And that's really the niche the Dream Exchange intends to fill. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. So how many companies have listed or how do you, what so, do you measure? Yeah. Yeah. So we're in formation. So right now we're actually building the rule book yes. uh, of the exchange and we've actually got assembled our team which was very difficult to do because it's, yes. not, it's not the ordinary, even financial uh, services technology. It's very customized. Yeah. We, we have to comply with a lot of securities rules. So absolutely, what we're doing at the moment is cre- creating the rule book, which is being coded. And mm-hmm. as the coding of the rule book becomes a bit more towards completion, then it'll be stress tested by the Securities Exchange Commission and we'll go live. It's probably, we're probably a year out from live. But what we yeah. are doing is, it, like, for people to participate today, this is always the question, how could, what could I do today? So yes. what we created was a social media platform called DreamX Connect. And that social media platform is intended to start the education process for how a company could list on the exchange. And what they're able to do, if they go to dreamxconnect.com, they can get into a menu-driven social media platform for entrepreneurs or small companies, and they can put an entire profile of their company, much Facebook or one of the other social media platforms. But we also have investors. So the investment VCs and, and angel investors, they too can fill out a profile and then they just do Boolean searches to see who's interested in what they're doing. And they can even raise their early stage angel money by meeting on our platform. And it's free. It's, it's, it, it is where we're generating our early stage interest from the public. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Does it have to be a, a particular size of um, company that has to list that they have to be in the $50 million range or it could be even smaller? No, it, we will be targeting much smaller companies than that. And I'm, I've been doing a lot of podcasts, so I'm not being evasive. Until we publish the rule book, I, 
I can't like publicly announce the sizes, but it will be, it will assuredly be smaller than that because there are a lot of companies worthy of the public market and they don't need uh, very much money, but their valuations are quite high. This is a phenomenon. You can see the multi-billion dollar valuations of a lot of tech companies, uh, especially tech or others, but the amount of initial capital financing to get them started is a very low number. So we're, we're interested in both potential, the valuation process that we have is, is very different to look at where are you? Are you at the stage where you're consistently making uh, sales or if you've made no sales and you're not profitable, that's fine. Uh, Because the largest companies in the world today, Tesla didn't turn a profit until last June, Uber's losing money. and, And these are hundred billion dollar companies. We're, our, our focus is on the financial metrics and, and kind of the confronting thing that a startup actually confronts. They're not selling groceries or dry cleaning. They don't have a weekly sales report. They're yes. surviving on uh, volume of contacts, volume of touches, how many people have flowed through your uh, tech startup, what your audience is, is the value proposition? Will everyone use it? And yeah. that becomes far more valuable to your acquirer. And if you're able yes. to have the capital to sustain yourself further, you certainly can be independent or you could be a nice acquisition for someone if you're able to finance yourself with not merely a million or two million, but maybe $20 million or $30 million. Yeah. So we're in that niche market, which is people who are a bit more developed, certainly not the start up in the garage, but yeah. just what do you do after the garage? You, you, it used to be you could go to the public markets and we're filling that void. It's in the ecosystem. Yeah. Because currently what I've seen is a lot of them, what they do is they go to, this is the route that a lot of tech startups take, just having been in this industry for a very long time. Um, You've done it yourself. (laughs) Yes. So first is they do friends and family round. You know, that is probably not interesting to to most um, investors. Like it's up to $50,000. Then they do a pre-seed round, which is $300,000 up to. Then they do a seed round, which is 1.5 million. But again, things are crazy at the moment. So if you get a big name investor like Andreessen Horowitz or Sequoia, you get to 5 million and then series A, then series B, then series D. And then maybe after F or something, series E or F, then you go and list. By that time, you already raised 14 billion or something. If you get to that point, like Uber and, and, then you list on the stock market. A lot of them die before that. You, the who survive, they list on the stock market. The five that survive every year <laughs> who become right. the become the Coinbase and the Robinhood and yeah, they're the right. few big ones. The, the, it's more than a mere theory on our part. So that that research paper, our white paper, is a very significant yes. research paper. Professor Floros, who's our director of research, and I yes. we did research for about seven years, and we hand gathered over 1,600 public company metrics. And what we find is that there are characteristics of companies that can make it and don't. Yeah. And so we're, and it's a very large number. So where you're saying, yeah, only five, that's probably a pretty accurate statistic that very few uh, make it. But there's an important part of capital finance that could actually step in and create a larger number of very small public companies 
that can produce significant revenue and that would yeah. survive, but that the public market in this, the small public market was really killed because the, the middle market brokerage interest in trying to work with those companies is gone. They, they can't make any money. It costs yeah. just as much to take a company that has a billion dollar valuation into the public market as it does a, a $30 million company. Yeah, and the fees on $30 million are negligible. They're not interested in doing it. It can't be profitable. However, why did it occur long ago that so many companies were in the public market? It's because there were different rules that applied to that small marketplace among the designated market makers, how book running was done, how brokers were able to make money alongside the company. And a lot of very good companies were born because of that. And we've lost that edge. The, the United States has lost a lot of very ingenious companies that are excellent companies that would survive well could they have access to the public market. We know that there's a very large audience of entrepreneurs for the exchange. Absolutely. Yeah. I can vouch for it, yes. Yeah, and, and what we were surprised by. So we're, our capital group is, we have a minority capital group. So we're actually going to be the first minority-controlled stock exchange in the history of the country. And when we made this announcement, I thought it was going to be maybe a, a couple of week press release and then we'd be done. And in, in 75 days, we had over a million uh, people come through our website. <laughs> so the, and the, most of those are the investor side. So there's a very large appetite for the small in company investor who really wants to be introduced at the earlier stages to yes. these startup enterprises. So we know that there's a big appetite for investors, and we know that there's a large number of companies. So we're just creating the play, playing field for them to go and, and have the opportunity to, to do business. That. Yeah, that that makes um, so much sense. How many investors have registered on the DreamX Connect platform? So we're we, I I don't know the proportions between entrepreneurs and investors. It were it's in its infancy, but I know that in the first forty five days we had over a thousand in there. I don't know what the number wow, is. Wow, exactly. that's pretty good. That's very but, impressive. Yeah, yeah, and and f who, people who actually went in filled out a complete profile, said, I'm looking for investments of this type, or we are an entrepreneurial company. And here's, it's a nice site. I like it. It's pretty slick. You can upload videos yes. and you can upload all your company's information. And so people have been taking advantage of it. We're, we have done no marketing. Yeah. We've done no marketing at all. We just are making our public announcements. I'm doing podcasts. And yes. <laughs> um, so I suspect when we start really putting our pedal to the metal, it's been all organic growth right now. Yes. Uh, when we do some more marketing, I suspect that there's going to be a fairly sizable audience on both the investor and the uh, entrepreneurial side of that. I expect it to grow into the tens of thousands. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then do you send out like a newsletter to all the investors that these are the deals coming in this week? Or, or do you do the other way around to the that these are the new investors reach out to these? How does it how does your platform work? Yeah. So what we're doing, we haven't done the newsletter yet. We were originally going to just do a uh, kind of a blast with written information, but we're, we've um, got a strategic partner and that partner creates a three minute video on the company yes. and it'll be part of the free service. So if you sign up for DreamS Connected, it's not live yet, but there'll be a three minute video. There'll be a 
uh, opportunity to be introduced to the uh, to the founder or the creator behind the organization. And then they have a beautiful team of people that does, you know, a fairly nice production. So there'll be a video that will go out. And I, I found that the because of the technological advancements, unless people see something on the computer, they like to see the image, they like the talking, they like to be able to click and, yes. and have someone talking to them. So the just doing an email we felt was not at an adequate promotional yes. activity. So it'll be both for the investment groups as well. They'll get to create a profile and get a video as well as the new companies. There'll be a, a standing video and it'll be promoted and then it'll be on their profile so that when they click to the profile, they'll be able to be introduced to the people. Yeah. Well, is there a cutoff as in that? Do you t- also take from companies from post seed stage or they have to have funding before or, or you also allow pre-seed or anyone? Yeah. So the DreamX Connect is, is open to anyone. So because this has just been my experience, I've done, I've done hundreds of deals. So that's what I was. I was a securities lawyer and mostly concentrated yes. in, in small uh, transactions. And the most obscure startups, if I really told the story of Archipelago, which the initial seed money was only $400,000 in 1996, it, it has a $12 billion value today. Yes. The, kind of what, they, what deal makers like to call the hair on the deal. It was kind of messy, but the truth is, had someone been able to actually meet the principals and talk to them? And, and were they to able to fully explain the idea in a, in a two-minute elevator speech? Yes. There's no way that the entire world would have gone, oh, my gosh, this is the next big thing. Sometimes it won't be that way, but I'm not one to judge. See, the nice thing about being a stock exchange is I'm removed from being emotional. Yes. Yeah, I can just say, great, talk to each other. If you decide to invest, great. If you don't decide to invest... That's okay with the stock exchange too. Yes. Um, obviously, we like volume, but this, the, we're providing the playing field, and we're just the the referee on the playing field. So in DreamX Connect, there there are no rules. It's social media, so we're not unless somebody's a, really a bad actor or someone we discover is, you yes. know, not 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 behaving in a within the ethical way. Law. Yes, yeah. Other than that, we don't really have any constraints. We have some very interesting very small companies that are our seed level investments and yes. we have seed investors. So we actually have had a lot of, in fact, I would say that if I were skewing the interest in DreamX yes. Connect, the more of the audience is interested in the, the seed and angel stage yes. of the investment. They're looking to get in very early and find the company before anyone else has. Oh, that is 100% the case. The reason why that is, there is a, so much interest in the early stage is because there is so much noise. And if there is a platform that can cut out the noise, because there are so many not so good <laughs> startups at early stage, and they're still finding their way, they haven't got the product market fit. Every investor is looking for the deal flow in early stages, but they want proof <laughs> they want a guaranteed bet and the guaranteed bet at early stages is very hard to find. So if there is a platform that can do that will make mint like Coinbase as went public yesterday and Gary Tan from Initialize Capital or something, the VC fund, he invested 300,000 in it at early stage. Now his just his stake alone is worth 2 billion. So you get 6,000% increase, which you cannot in any other asset class 
in the world pretty much it's just not possible right it is just not possible you, you cannot do that you cannot get that by putting money in index fund or vanguard or something or you cannot get it of course you cannot get it in the bank you just lose money you can't even get it in the capital markets you, you, you cannot you know, yeah maybe maybe i think there was a study on netflix where people were doing 1500% over some lengthy period of years but you can't get it in the capital market. i guess you could where you could get it you could get it in a casino. Yes. <laughs> you could go you could go and just consistently guess the right color on the roulette table and then and, yes keep, keep doubling and never lose <laughs> and yeah. yeah of course you'd have to never lose but yeah it, there isn't there isn't a wealth building mechanism like the the startup and early stage company environment yes. either. And one of the important things and I don't want to discourage the entrepreneurs in the audience because the the truth is there are small companies that are doing well that become uh, bigger and they find themselves at a crossroads with Series A, Series B, Series D, E, F, G, H, I when they're looking for that valuation and that yes. proper multiple and they really don't want to be suppressed and. Those have become an interesting set of potential investments for late stage VCs and and private equity people. Yes, because they look at it and go, "Gee, this company's been around for eight or ten years. It's breaking even, but boy, that technology they have or that idea that they have truly will not become obsolete. And it can, if we gave them a little money, we gave them a little energy, it could grow." And those are very interesting because they tend to be in the 30 to 50% IRR. So when you can see a 30 to 50% internal rate of return, yes, that's a very good investment for someone who is a little more risk adverse. So if, if they are not willing to go in at the seed level, but they're willing to come in at, a, at an intermediate stage and... If we offer them that in a public market where there's liquidity, it greatly enhances the willingness of the, the VC and the, or, or a PE to become yes. involved because they, can, they don't have to syndicate all the money. They can make sure that the company is being responsibly run because they have securities reporting obligations. And it, if we customize the rules of the exchange, so that there's not the ability to really take advantage of the smaller company. That's one of the protections we have is investor protection, but company protection in a customized set of rules. That will make it very attractive. I think we're going to see many small companies, perhaps thousands of small companies eligible. I piloted a company uh, 10 years ago. My pilot study was a small company, very small revenue, very small earnings. And we did it. We did. We used the public markets as the model, but uh, they became a $150 million market cap from a $30 million market cap. And they did that over about a 24 month period. Now, that's 5x. That's five times the investment value in two years, which sounds a lot like a venture capital investment, but there was liquidity and there was a public market. So that's where that early stage public investment really can become attractive. And the owners of the company did not get horribly diluted. They didn't lose their whole company. They too had liquidity in the public market and they had the higher valuations because there were over 4,000 public investors. So 
that's our model. We're looking for good companies, but we're looking for the early company to, we may have to watch for a year or two or three years of these early stage seed invested companies to mature enough to become listings. So that's why we started early. We're, We're starting now so that by the time we're fully operational in about a little more than a year, we have an inventory of people ready to go. That makes sense. Yeah. I have two more questions about this whole ecosystem and everything. How are you planning to raise funding or are you self-funding it or will you list your own? Like DreamX will be listed on on DreamX itself. <laughs> so all of the above. DreamX, well, Dream Exchange was self-funded by me until two years ago, when we started to, we did our own private placement. We now have about a little more than a hundred investors in our private placement. And we're going to close that round very soon because we have a larger VC PE partnership that we have, which will get us through our launch. And then we absolutely intend to list on our own exchange. (laughs) So we will be one of the small companies that will be a public stock on our exchange. We're probably two years out from listing ourselves. But yes, we will participate in the market we're creating. I'm like you. I'm an entrepreneur. I I want my public liquidity as much as everyone else does. That is our plan. Yeah. Makes 100% sense. If you had to start all over again, just out of, say, university or education, what would you do? Oh. What step would you take? <laughs> oh, man. That's a very, no one's ever asked me that question. The, my, my educational experiences have been invaluable to me. So it's hard for me to say I wouldn't do it. I, I was a public account. I was a CPA. And early on in my career, that was very valuable. And the knowledge has been valuable my whole career. It wasn't a profession I wanted to do. So I might do something differently there more in finance rather than accounting. I found that my law degree and my securities study of securities laws has been absolutely invaluable to where I am today. It saves us legal expense very often. So I wouldn't change a thing about that. But I will say this, I did not recognize early in my career that I was an entrepreneur. I was, I was an entrepreneur in denial because I would be, I was a service professional. I build my time And for example, Archipelago, I much more would have preferred to be part of the management team than to be the lawyer in the situation. And so were I to make any one change, I would say I would have been at a younger age, more honest with myself about what I really wanted. I I wanted to be be an entrepreneur. I wanted to be a business person and not a, a service professional. And I think that's probably a message to all the entrepreneurs is, the best thing you can be is honest with yourself and believe in yourself. I, I would say that I didn't believe in myself enough back then to say, oh, I don't need a job. <laughs> I, I can run my own company or I can create my own company. I didn't believe myself enough. And that just takes time. But, but I would say if I have two rules for entrepreneurs, uh, rule number one is never quit. That's the only time you lose is when you give up. Yeah, And the second one is you have to believe in yourself. And and they sound like something on a, a TV show or a matinee or some kind of cheesy <laughs> uh, advice, but they're real. When I've often said, you're not a real entrepreneur unless at least one time in your life, you've had to put your payroll on your credit cards. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you, and that requires believing in yourself and it requires never quitting. So they're not just sayings. It, you have to live your life that you really have to live that way. So I wouldn't uh, change much about what I did, except that I probably would have 
believed in myself much earlier and maybe failed. Maybe I would have failed early on or something, but the failures produce change and change exactly. produces the next big idea. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so, right. You say that. Yeah. What was the last book that you read or what's the book that you are reading right now? The last book I finished, believe it or not, was a book called Lincoln's Last Trial. I had a certain fascination with with history and yes. I, I enjoyed reading what was... Uh, ostensibly, he, he had a brilliant mind. What I appreciated about the book and what I'm realizing is today is he was trying very hard to bring a diverse set of people together. And I learned the way his mind works. And that, that was fascinating to me. A book I'm reading right now is called The Sales Acceleration Formula. It's by the fellow who was the first chief sales officer of HubSpot. And uh, I'm fascinated by it because he actually took HubSpot from obscurity to 100 million in sales, and it's tech sales. And he has he's a he was an engineer from MIT, and he had no sales experience whatsoever. But he took his MIT engineering capabilities, and he actually came up with a formula for how to hire the exact correct salesperson for the role, which is he built the HubSpot sales team. It's a fascinating book. I'm not finished with it yet. It, it keeps it gets better every page. So that's what I'm reading now. So I have a very eclectic reading menu, very diverse. I'm not always reading finance books. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Where do you see the finance industry going in the next five years? So it's a very interesting question. I'm certain of one thing. So I'm certain that financial technology is going to dominate the marketplace. I, yes. I see that anything that involves payment systems, the ability to translate one form of money into another, like the cyber currencies and, yes. and uh, cryptocurrencies, as well as I'm fascinated by all of the Coinbase offerings that are happening. And I see you mean ICOs? Yes, yes. Uh, the reason I'm fascinated by it is. It is, and let me just say it this way. I believe that the, the world's reserve currency is the U.S. dollar. And as the world changes and the potential for dollars or currencies to become more fungible, more commodity-based, mm -hmm. it is going to be the technological wave of the future where there may be a uh, hundred coin-based denominations and currently, you, you can't walk into an auto dealership and, and pay for your car with Bitcoin. I guess Tesla is moving in that direction. But what will be fascinating about financial technology in the future, especially the next five years, is how easily does that tr translate into <clears throat> a usable currency? How, how liquid is your market? Because at some po point, it has to have dollars denominated. Like when we stop using that a Bitcoin is worth fifty thousand dollars, and we start hearing that sixty-three ABC today, coin, I think. Yeah, is it, what is it? Sixty-three, I think today. Sixty-three. Yeah. Um, I think so. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I'm choking. The uh, but when we start hearing that ABC coin is worth twenty thousand Bitcoin, okay. Now we're removing ourselves and the various coins will be interchangeable. Much like gold and silver are commodity-based markets, I see that happening, <clears throat> and I see it coming in the future. Sorry. <clears throat> no problem. 
So if I were looking in a direction, that would be the one. Yeah, absolutely. There are to looking at cryptocurrencies and all that. So I was in in Bay Area at the end of 2017, early 2018 at the time of the previous um, bull run of cryptocurrencies. And so many startups were either doing ICOs or looking at ICOs as a legitimate means to raise money. And so many VCs were seriously worried that now start good startups could raise money on their own. There was no need for them. So that was a very interesting time at that time to see what was happening. But then, of course, then the bull run came to an end and it didn't eventuate. But who knows what will happen in the next four or five years. Yeah, I think that I think it's going to settle. And the uh, naturally with every law, with every new thing, there'll be a, the fallout of how will the regulators treat it. So if, and Bitcoin happens to be the, the celebrity name for, for encryption-based financial models, but I, I do believe it's here to stay. If, if, the, if it were going to be something that was outlawed or was going to be regulated out of business, I think that would have occurred already. It's so. The thing is that, you know, how the key strength of U.S. is, even more so than military has been the US dollar being the mm-hmm. currency of the world because of the swift and everything you can use sanctions against a country you don't like but mm-hmm. with bitcoin you cannot so it is something that from what i've heard there is that that's something that the government has looked into but it is something that is unstoppable china and india tried to do the same thing because then no one pays tax revenue the government cannot run but it's just as long as you've got electricity and internet you got bitcoin access right and even if you don't have electricity you can have it in the hardware wallet it is Mm -hmm. something that is democratizing money to the new level that no government no king in past has ever witnessed and that's the reason why even though it's very energy inefficient that's why i think that it's still going and i see it as two different pathways or two different things people miss that two different revolutions happening or evolutions happening at the same time. One is currency coins, which is like Bitcoin, Litecoin, those which you just exchange for value. They're just store of value. They're not good for that transactions anyway. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is application coins based on Ethereum type network where you can encrypt a contract on it and you can use it to develop software applications, things like that. So Binance has a new product called where you can buy a small stake of a share that's traded on the market. So you can buy, so say it has $600 a stock, you can buy one-tenth of that for in Binance coin. Pretty much you could use your own coin, DreamX coin, and allow people to buy a small stake in the, and the contract is already encoded in that. Yeah, and that's where I see, but there, so there's the currency growth that you just described, which is not as easily translatable into uh to, to transactional or, dollars. Yeah, or transactional, yes. So that's the first part. But the other part is, and I think the Securities Exchange Commission is looking at this very carefully, which is what when is it that an actual offering of a security is taking place? Yes. Um, so when the dust settles and we find out <laughs> what yeah. the viewpoints are, that will be very exciting for our exchange because yes. uh, we do have, a, I have one person dedicated to looking into how we would utilize really what we're looking at, at is at its core level, not necessarily in currency form, 
but how we could use the technology to better enable us to have a chain of custody on shares. So we're looking at that where we would just do the securities offering, but we would be using bypassing a bit of how the shares clear using an encryption system that gives us chain of custody on the share. On the other hand, that is easily translatable then to how the dollars or the, yes. the currency work. Yeah, we're looking at that very carefully. I have one one software engineer dedicated to that right now. Oh, that's great. That's great. You're you are going and moving in the, in the right direction. Future is bright yeah. for this whole field. There's yes. going to be a lot more coming. Finally, do you have a ask for our audience? Is there anything you're looking for? Any users, investors, anything? Yeah, Team I mean, members? Yeah. Big time ask. Big time ask is go, go to DreamX Connect. We, we're really looking to find out especially your audience. Do they like it? Or do they not like it? Would they like to populate? We have, our team will support whoever goes and visits your both investor and entrepreneur. If they visit that, the DreamX Connect site, social media site, that would be very exciting. It's something you can do now. And the, I guess the last request is follow us. Our website is DreamX, D-R-E-A-M-E-X.com. We're doing a lot of exciting things. We have some very big announcements coming. So I'll have to come back. <laughs> on your yes, podcast, absolutely. post those announcements. We we have some very big hires that are what I would call global industry technology celebrities that are now joining our team. And those announcements are coming probably within maybe the week. <laughs> and, oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. So we like the traffic. We like people to follow us. And so stay in touch with the exchange uh, call or email and ask questions. The senior members of the team get on the phone. I, I will get on the phone. We are a collaborative environment. We, we're, we're not dismissing any good ideas. That's how I don't, I view myself as someone who wants to be surrounded by other people who are much smarter than I am. And, and that isn't always able to be the case that they're all employees. So we welcome the entire audience to come and visit and share their viewpoints and be become part of a movement, which is the dream exchange is democratization of the capital markets for the entrepreneur and the early stage investor. Oh, that is great. Thank you. Thank you just so much for your time. What I'll do is I'll put the links to everything that you said underneath. And before it goes, the this episode goes live, I will reach out to you and get any updates from you as well. So I can add that in the post edit later on. So oh, thank great. you so much for your time. Okay. Thank you so much too. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yep, that's great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.